NCS Podcast. We are back. Welcome, everybody. My name is Matthew Gordon. We've been active lately. It's pretty exciting just talking to these people in the industry. Today's guest was on my radio show growing up. Any kind of car ride to school, you name it. He's the host of Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan. So if you live in the D.C. area and you want to listen to a sports radio show, you've probably heard this guy talk some sports. His name is J.P. Flame. How are you today, man? What's up, Matthew? This is kind of surreal. When my daughter told me Matthew Gordon wanted to connect with me, I was like, didn't I coach him in soccer when he was little? And she was like, yeah, he was on our team. I forgot to put that in the intro. This is also my former soccer coach. So it is like full circle here. But I do appreciate the time. And, you know, I do this with all my guests. I, I just love to have them explain a little bit about who they are before we dive into a couple questions that I have and also some conversations that I want to have about DC sports. So if you don't mind telling the listeners in today a little bit more about you. No, so I'm one of the hosts of the Sports Junkies, been doing it for 27 years. But if I rewind, I was a guy who went to college, University of Maryland, like you, mm-hmm. got a job for a mortgage company, hated it. And knew I needed to do something else. So I ended up going to law school. And while I was in law school, after my first summer, I came home and was working for a judge. And one of my buddies, who I do the show with, came over and said, hey, do you ever want to start a cable access TV show? So we started on the bottom, just like you're starting. And we started with this cable access TV show, brought in two other friends. So there was four of us. And it was kind of a light bulb moment for all of us, because even though all four of us we're going in different directions professionally or in school. We realized this was a passion of ours and we wanted to make something happen. And so fast forward, we got the television show noticed. Uh, it was written about in the Washington Times and a radio station, 106.7, which is actually our current home, which back then was called WJFK. Uh, happened to see the article, called us, gave us a tryout put us on the weekends on their new sports weekend and the rest is kind of history. We've been rolling since. You have been rolling since. And this is surreal for me, you know, soccer aside, uh, I've heard your voice for many years, you know, any kind of carpool, especially growing up, going to high school, middle school, it was the first thing I'd listen to in the morning. So great story. And I think, you know, that's, that's definitely a path that I'm inspired by. So sports, the industry, were you, and I know you talked about getting a job as a mortgage broker. Um, oh, you, I wasn't a mortgage broker. I was way down on the list. Not even, okay. So. I was the guy who like <laughs> printed out the papers for the mortgage broker. So, so I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess my question is for you, you know, were you necessary? Cause I kind of relate to this. Were you always wanting to get into sports and you just didn't know if you could or did you kind of just have a change of thought to kind of jump? Like, how did your thought process and start? So for me personally, yeah. out of the four of us, um, so there are four of us on the show. Mm-hmm. One guy played college basketball and then did some sports broadcasting after his college basketball career kind of went away. Um, he, he was a division one athlete and he ended up ended up at Salisbury, which is division three. And I think he he felt like, The basketball was beneath him and he started focusing on broadcasting. He was a radio DJ and was actually looking for a job in sports. He interned for the Eagles, but the rest of us, to be quite honest, including myself, 
sports was never a consideration. I never thought about it until we started that cable access TV show. Interesting. Interesting. So, wow. Wasn't a communications major, wasn't a journalism major. I got an international business degree because I speak Spanish and I thought a business degree would work. That landed me a pathetic job for a mortgage company, which I tolerated for a while. And then I realized law school was a better fit. And then, like I said, after that first year of law school, life changed again because we started doing something for fun on a whim with my buddies but we realized it was a passion and then it was like well how do we make this happen can we can we chase this dream you know while we're not quitting our jobs i wasn't dropping out of law school but like we actually i remember we had this one kind of powerhouse meeting it was like look we're either going to not do the show anymore or we're going to freaking go for it and we divvied up responsibilities um one person was going to work on landing guests one person was going to work on getting free swag to dress up our studio. And then I was actually the, the guy who was going to try and get us publicity. It's a little different, you know, totally different. 27 years ago, getting the newspaper was a big deal. Now newspapers are dying. All right. But I called the Washington Post and the sports media guy didn't answer. So I called the Washington Times and I got an answer. And then I just started selling the show and selling our story. And he's like, look, I've seen cable access TV before. It's horrible. He's like, but I kind of like your story. Send me a tape. And what changed our lives, the four of us, our lives is he got the tape. He liked it, called a few days later and said, Hey, would you mind if I watch you guys do a show? We're like, fuck yeah. Come watch (laughs) us do the show. And he writes this article. And like I said, that really changed my life. That was in March of 1996. And, you know, that changed the trajectory of my life because then the radio station gave us a shot. And then it's all of a sudden, well, if you get a shot, you got to make the most of it, right? So the focus was on being entertaining, having good content and uh, having a lot of fun along the way. See, I'm a little worried when you were listening during the middle school days. Yes, we talked a lot of sports. I'm 53 right now. But back when we were younger, starting out, we were a little more wild and risque. We kind of sounded like crap <laughs> boys on the air. We had, you know, bikini contests. We had a stripper pole in studio. It was a different <laughs> show back then. Now we're kind of more mature. All right, well, that's good. That's... <laughs> I was but the key was fun. creating good content, creating something that was entertaining. Right. Yeah, and that's important. And that's and I, I'm a fan of today's show and also middle school era for me. <laughs> um, but that's awesome. And it's always cool to see like the growth and you know what kind of you know how the opportunity arose. And in this case, all it took was one guy to kind of wa- like w- like one fill, like one tape that he wanted to see. It was one recording you wanted to send over or yeah, he watched I sent him a a, a demo tape. Yeah, that's all it took. TV show. We had only done 15 or 16 shows. And he liked it and he really liked our story. And um, the radio station, we were lucky. What I'd like to say is we were lucky a long way, but we also made our luck. So we were knocking on doors and one of them opened up. And that was the radio station. And the radio station at that time was a hot talk station. It was Howard Stern in the morning. Mm -hmm. They had kind of a morning zoo show in the afternoon called Don and Mike. They had the grease man on at night. It wasn't a sports station at all, but they had just bought the rights to the Redskins, the now commanders. And so when they bought the rights to the Redskins, they decided they want to build a sports weekend. 
And so they were filling out this sports weekend and they decided to give four guys who had no experience a shot. Awesome. And we got popular. And a year later, they offered us the full-time job, which was great for me because it was right when I graduated from law school. Mm-hmm. Literally the day I took my last law school exam, they offered us the full-time job uh-huh. to work at night from seven to 10 at night. We replaced the grease man here in DC in 1997, May of 97. Every, every man's dream, I would say. Uh, but that's awesome to hear. And it just means it probably means it definitely means so much to you to kind of just always reminisce on it and uh, understand that all the hard work did pay off and all it took was one person to recognize what you guys were trying to do. And and, and it's why I like to talk to to people like you that are just starting out, because yeah. I would would say, yes, we were lucky and we had some people believe us along the way. But okay. in those early days, um, I remember when we started doing the weekend show, for example, I would log every person that called into the show and I would send it to our program director because we were a weekend show. We weren't even seeing the people like the main staff that was there yeah. during the week. We didn't interact with any of them. We were just doing the Saturday night show from five to eight. And I would send him this stuff and I would send actually the guy from the Washington Post and say, hey, these are all the guests we've had. Kind of like you've been having cool guests. And I was like saying, hey, we're a legit show. And so that helped kind of build our resume while we're building the resume on the air, building listeners who are now calling into the show. I'm also showing them, Hey, this is what we do. We can, we can stand toe to toe with any of these shows out there. And so when it came time to find a new nighttime show, they picked us over the more established experienced shows, which was much to their dismay. They couldn't believe that these four guys who had their own lingo and we're kind of being crazy on the air. We're given the shot, but the reality was that's what people were into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you, you touched on everything that I'm uh, curious about. That's unreal journey and very well-deserved. So I wanted to talk about some DC sports with you. So I'll save the best for last because the commanders are making a lot of moves. So I'll, I'll save them for last. Sure. Die hard Washington wizards fan. And I want your thoughts on I mean, we know what's happening right now, but do you see any any hope? I'll just be straight up. Any hope for the next couple of years in terms of, I can't even say with a straight face, but are we going to contend anytime soon, you think? Like, I know it's kinda- Anytime soon, no. The short answer for that is they're not going to contend anytime soon. I is there any hope? Sure. Soon. They brought in some really smart people. Look at what's happening to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right. So they brought in some people who have built programs like in Oklahoma City that actually spent time there. And so the thought is two or three drafts and then you will have the building blocks. My guess would be of the current team right now, once they can actually contend and be a playoff team, they got one guy, Koulibaly. That's it. The guy they drafted. Maybe Denny, maybe Kispert will stick around as role players, but in all likelihood, all these people will be gone yeah. when they can actually compete. But look, the Spurs landed Wemby last year, right? They're yeah. still terrible. It yeah. takes a couple of drafts. So what Washington decided to do is let's quit being in the middle. Let's quit being a team that can maybe be an Which eight I love. seed, maybe be a nine seed, be a 10 seed. Let's right. just tank, be terrible, and then hopefully we land a difference maker. Uh, I hope. It's just like... 
you know, being a fan of a team that's just either contending for the playing game or the eight seed or whatever it may be. It's just, it's mentally exhausting. So I do. It's a tough watch. I'll be honest. I try and watch them from time to time. It's hard to watch yeah. more than three or four minutes. So it's bad. like, it's so bad. And they don't even look, they changed the coach. They knew they were going to lose. They changed the coach because they were losing games by 40 points and it continues. They get understand. hammered. I didn't understand that though. They kept him in the front off. It was so weird to me, but yes, they do. They're not good. They won't be good for a little bit. I meant anytime soon as in like a five year window because personally. I think what, look, if you want to say a five year window, <laughs> that's soon. Sure. I think, like just... I said, two or three drafts. And then what I'm going to guess is a trade line, de- trade deadline is coming up. The pattern that this front office has done elsewhere is acquiring a bunch of picks. Yeah. So they're going to trade and try and acquire as many picks and take as many shots at it. You know, the 76ers had the famous trust the process. That's mm-hmm. kind of what they're doing here in DC. So you think Kuzma is going to be dealt at the deadline and, or I think they'll try and deal him. Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think and- he's a long-term Washington <laughs> wizard. And personally, I think he's a little overrated. I feel, I don't think he's a winning player. Ironically, he has a ring. And Jordan Poole has a ring. They were passengers. That's the way I look at it. Passengers they, on a championship team. They definitely were. And I was going to say, well, who will be traded? But I don't even know anybody that would take on that contract. So that can't even yeah. be discussed. But, yeah, well, I just want to know your thoughts because I deal with the misery and pain every year and every day of being a Wizards fan. Yeah, you'd be better off, now that you live in New York City, be better off following the Knicks. I know. And they've been a frustrating team for the last four decades, too. What they're doing is amazing, especially seeing Jalen and all those Villanova guys, just like Brunson Hart and those guys. They're all like the chemistry's off the charts. I just can't do that. Like I can't tell myself get it. to go against the Wizards and especially I get it to a childhood team. Yeah, I just gotta stick with them. But I do want to talk commanders because they're making a lot of moves. It's a weird offseason, I should say, for them. Um, good because of the ownership that's kind of stepped in. Um, head coach, I'm not personally the biggest fan of a Dan Quinn hire, and I don't love the Cliff hire for the offensive coordinator, but if it lands Caleb, then it could mean something. What are your thoughts on this entire offseason? Honestly, just someone you followed very closely. So I just want to know like your thoughts, and uh, then I want to talk about the draft and see what you think about that. So big picture, you touched on something. They were owned by Dan Snyder for a couple decades, and he ran the team into the ground. A once-storied franchise that had three Super Bowls became a laughing stock. So new owner comes in, didn't really have time to do anything. Once he took over inherited Ron Rivera. That was, I can curse on a podcast, a shit show, especially the way it ended. They, 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 I mean, at one point they were four and five. It was a little fraudulent, but at four and five, you're still in playoff contention. They didn't win another game after that. So the season was a disaster. They move on from Ron Rivera. First move that Josh Harris does in the offseason is bring in a respected GM. So that's something they haven't had. Ron Rivera was in charge of everything. So I think you have to be optimistic. Um, This is a guy who in San Francisco helped draft studs in later rounds, like a George Kittle, who was, I believe, a fifth-round pick. So you have to be optimistic there if you're a commander's fan. And then the head coach, Dan Quinn, we're never going to know the real story. It seemed like Ben Johnson was the favorite, who's the offense coordinator in Detroit, they end up with Dan Quinn. I think you have to give him a shot. I said this on our radio show once he was being heavily considered. 
it felt like Ron Rivera all over again, right? Ron Rivera in Carolina had a team that made it to the Super Bowl, much like Dan Quinn had the Falcons made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. When you actually look at their record, Dan Quinn in Atlanta, just one game above 500. Rivera actually was better than that, mostly buoyed by his 15-1 and season with Cam Newton. But their percentage of times that they took their teams to the playoffs, very comparable. I think Quinn took the Falcons to playoffs two times in six years. All that said, you have to give them a shot. Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, you can go down the list. There are a bunch of guys who've had second chances who won Super Bowls in their second stop. I'm not saying that Dan Quinn's going to do that. I kind of feel like he probably was the fallback, but he's coming into a situation that's actually pretty favorable. Taking over a team that's 4-13, and yes, that sucks. They're bereft of talent. They don't have much talent there. You know, Terry McLaurin, Payne, Allen, they got a couple of stalwarts, right? But they've got a ton of cap space. So on the business side, they can make moves in free agency, and they have the number two pick in the draft. Does bringing in Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator mean you're going to draft Caleb Williams? I don't know. They could go with Jaden Daniels. They could go with Drake May, but they need a quarterback. So do you think they're going to stay at that two spot or do you think they're going to try to move up to the first overall pick? I think they're going to stay at the two spot. And I don't know. I've got a buddy who's actually a scout who's super high on Drake May. So we'll see. It's going to depend on what Adam Peters is thinking. The good thing is, like I said, you have a competent GM. Um, The last four years with Ron Rivera, Snyder kind of given him all the power. And yes, they had a GM in name, but Ron Rivera made all the decisions. So what haunted Rivera's tenure? He had a lot to deal with, right? He had scandal from from Snyder and kind of kind of court stuff, the name change. But really what haunts him is his very first draft choice at number two. Could have drafted Tua, could have drafted Justin Herbert, drafted Chase Young, who's proven to be, I don't want to call him a bust because he's still in the league, but well, very no. underwhelming. Yeah. I mean, even watching him last week, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like there's much effort on his end anymore, but interesting. And Drake may to me, you know, I have this conversation a lot with people. I am a huge fan of Jaden Daniels over Drake may. I think Drake may is a stud quarterback. I think he makes great throws, but for some reason, I think Jaden Daniels, not for some reason, I know why he's just a dual threat quarterback. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. I feel like it matches with today's era. So I, I I wouldn't be mad with Drake May, but I think for me, I prefer Jaden Daniels. What do you think? Who do you kind of prefer for like this team? Or I got to be honest. I don't watch enough college football to be able to like break down tape yeah. and say Jaden Daniels has this and Drake May has that. I'm kind of like the regular fan that watches a little bit, has read a lot of stuff. So that's on Adam Peters to figure out. What I do know is the odds are, Let's say it's Caleb one, Jaden two, and Drake uh, Drake May goes three, which would be the Patriots. They also need a quarterback, right? Yeah. One or two of those guys will bust. <laughs> That's just the way it is. You know, you can go back. Um, you're you're in New York. Zach Wilson was a number two pick. You can go through the history of number two picks. They bust a lot of times. They do. So hopefully this is that's not the case here. But the odds are one or two of those guys will bust. Interesting. And I agree. I mean, based on history, you can't deny that one of them will probably bust a hundred percent. And then I guess just like one more question about the commanders. Do you personally have any idea what 
off-season free agents they're looking to target? Do you have any idea who they're necessarily going after? Or are you just, you know, any predictions? Well, I'll preface this by saying what I said earlier. They're bereft of talent, right? right? And today, when Dan Quinn had his press conference, he was asked, what are your impressions of some of the guys on the team? And he coached against them as he's defense coordinator of the Cowboys, right? He named three guys. Literally, that's all he named. So they need to bolster the offensive line. They traded away Chase Young and Montez Sweat, so they need edge rushers. They haven't had uh, good linebackers for a while. The secondary got torched all season. That's just with the defense. Nice. On the offensive side, they need to boost the offensive line. Sam Howell was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Part of that was on Sam Howell, but part of that was on the offensive line. So combination of draft and free agency, they have a lot of holes to fill. Um, in terms of like particular names, it's not even really worth going through because it's kind of going to depend on the GM's approach. Is he going to be heavy on drafting offensive line? Then you don't need to you know pick up offensive linemen in in free agency right. um i i do think that it's going to be a mixture of of both things which is look when talked about that peters that's what all teams do right there's constant turnover in the league um and you have the draft but you only have so many draft picks right interesting yeah because like i'm just seeing all these rumors every day like even like t higgins rumors it's just like they need everything. It's the bottom line. And I'm glad. And, and I think, and I think like a T Higgins rumor, sure. Would he help the team? Yes. But I don't know that they would spend a lot of capital on a wide receiver right. when they would probably hope that Cliff Kingsbury can unlock Jahan Dotson, who had a good rookie campaign, kind of fell off last year. And you might say, well, that was because Sam Howell struggled and the offensive line struggled and the enemy wasn't what he, what, what people hope him to be as an offensive coordinator. So yeah, say, so Bienemy, and speaking of Bienemy, Bienemy's out. And he yeah. um, you know, is announced today, I'm pretty sure, earlier yesterday, whatever it was. Um, what happened with that? Because when he came, when we got the news that he was becoming the offensive coordinator, I mean, what's not to love about him? He came from a dynasty and was a huge part of it. And a lot of people thought that, you know, he was kind of next up as head coach. What went wrong? And, you know, I've watched a lot of commanders games in general, but was it really on the enemy? And like, what is going on with him? What happened? So he certainly didn't inherit a good situation. Right. right? We've talked about that. He's working with Sam Howell. He's talking with the bad offensive line. That said, (laughs) results matter, right? So, there are people that will back the enemy and come up with excuses. But in the end, his offense averaged a half a point more than the offense average the year before Scott Turner. And that was an offense, by the way, the year before that dealt with Carson Wentz, who was an utter disaster, and Taylor Heineke. So I'm not saying Sam Howell was this huge upgrade. And then if you watch them game to game, one of the biggest problems fans had and critics of Eric Bannemi had was you understand when you fall behind, you have to pass, but they had a young quarterback with no experience lead the league in dropbacks, more dropbacks than Patrick Mahomes, more dropbacks than Josh Allen. How does that make sense when you have a young inexperienced guy? And oftentimes in a first half, not when they're trailing, when you have to throw every down in a first half, you would look at it and it might be, 
20 passes to six or seven runs. Like this is a former running back, a guy who was a running backs coach and he was so pass happy. And that led to uh, the team having a quarterback who led the league in sacks, a quarterback who led the league in interceptions, a quarterback who led the league in pick sixes. And so, yes, it sucks that you got stuck with a fifth rounder in Sam Howell. But a lot of that, at least from my perspective, is because Eric Bannemi didn't necessarily cater his offense the right way. And so I think, look, he was under contract. I think he's still under contract by the commanders. He'll collect money for a year if he doesn't take another job. Dan Quinn said, nope, I'm going to go with somebody else in Cliff Kingsbury. And the whole league hasn't even interviewed him as an offensive coordinator. And every team, uh, one of one of the guys on the show found this stat. Think about this. In the last two years, every team has flipped an offensive coordinator. Every team. Ugh. But it's just crazy to me because I truly believed at one point that he was a head coach candidate because you come from a dynasty. He was. He interviewed a, he interviewed a ton of times. Yeah. And for whatever reason, he didn't get the gig. But in terms of why he's not coming back with the commanders as an offense coordinator, he just didn't do a good enough job. The results weren't there. Yeah. So he probably, he, you know, he may go back to Kansas City and get another gig. The other thing is, I'm going to tell you, do you ever watch quarterback? Um, yeah. On Netflix? I did. did. Yeah. Do you remember when Patrick Mahomes would go to the sideline? I'm going to ask you to watch it again. Patrick Mahomes would go to the sideline and he would talk to Andy Reid and Matt Nagy. The enemy was kind of off to the side. And so I think. The enemy left Kansas City because he wanted to prove he could call his own plays. And that's what and he, I think he did prove that. I think he did prove that, that he can be an offensive coordinator. And maybe, you know, he's got leadership skills. But I do think a lot of people wonder, look, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl again. I know that during the regular season, they didn't score as many points as the year before. Yeah. But Andy Reid runs the offense there. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you were the offensive coordinator underneath Kyle Shanahan. Right. Yes, the argument would be, well, you learn from one of the best, but you weren't calling the plays. Kyle Shanahan was calling the plays. Yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> that duo of Reed and Mahomes is enough. And like, exactly, Reed is Reed's a play caller. Is he the main play caller there? Or does Nagy have yes. it? Right. So, like, haven't you ever seen him with that huge play sheet? <laughs> oh, of course. But I don't know if Nagy also had like some input there. I mean, I think look, Bianami at one point this year said I I called plays in Kansas City. And I'm sure he called some of the plays, but my point is, it's still Andy Reid's offense. Yeah. So he needed to kind of go out on his own to prove something. He didn't necessarily inherit a good situation, but he also didn't, he didn't distinguish himself. Right. Interesting, bizarre situation there. Um, all right. Well, to wrap this up, I want to talk about the Super Bowl. We were kind of just talking about it. It's going to be a Chiefs Niners rematch like it was in 2019. This year, in my opinion, for the Chiefs is just a weird year. I mean, I don't know how they're here. Well, I kind of do because they have 15 at quarterback. But, you know, if you told me that this Chiefs team would be in the Super Bowl, especially after that game against the Dolphins that they barely won, I'd call you crazy. And I just want your thoughts on, like, this season for the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, amidst all of the Taylor Swift drama and, you know, headlines and this and that. How did they get here? I mean, the obvious answer is Mahomes and Reed, but are you seeing that this team can go in 
on Sunday and beat the Niners? Or do you think the Niners are just a better team and they're just going to wipe them easily? I definitely don't think the Niners are the better team that's going to wipe out the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think one of the biggest things that doesn't get talked about enough is the Chiefs have a phenomenal defense this season. So the Ravens, okay, look like a juggernaut. And if you think about the Ravens game against San Francisco, for example, they just crushed them. And the Chiefs shut down Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens offense. So the Chiefs' defense is different this year. And um, the offense has had its, you know, ups and downs this year. A lot of drop balls, you know, Kadarius Toney, all these different side stories. But keep it simple. It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. And he's proven that. Because the storylines, the narratives were, well, all along the way, Patrick Mahomes won Super Bowls. But he's never won a playoff game on the road. Well, check that box. Well, (laughs) Is he going to go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens? Check that box. So, you know, he's got this distraction now. His dad got a DWI. He's got all this nonsense going on. But, man, on the field, when it comes down to it, he needs to make a play. Just think about it. They wanted to ice that game. An easy call is probably just run the ball again, burn some clock. Mahomes went to his coach and said, I want the ball. And he throws a deep ball to MVS. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, perfect ball, boom, game over, advance to the Super Bowl. And so usually games come down to one or two plays, right? So you're going to trust Brock Purdy, great story. It's fantastic. I think that um, I think he's been criticized maybe too much, but I'm going to take Mahomes over anybody really right now in the NFL. So you're, you're on the Chiefs. I am too. And I think you just nailed everything that I wanted to say about the Chiefs. Um, but I think a big part of it is the receivers look good and, you know, Tony's not playing. So I think that's a good thing for the chiefs, but MVS has been really big in the playoffs. He's caught a lot of really important game clinching balls. And he was a main problem this season. You know, even Kelsey looked terrible this season, not terrible, but not like him. All of a sudden he's came alive and he's, he's out here beating Kyle Hamilton and jump balls. Like it's really cool to see. Yeah. That said, look, I wouldn't be shocked if San Francisco pulls it off. Right. Because at one point, really before the Baltimore game, that Ravens game was kind of a tipping point for opinion. Right. Prior to that Ravens game, everybody thought the 49ers were the best team in the league. Yeah. And then they got bludgeoned and the Ravens started rolling. Right. Yeah. If you remember halfway through the season, Lamar Jackson wasn't the MVP. The reason why he's earning the MVP is because what happened in the second half of the season, big wins against really good teams. So that kind of changed your opinion of everything. It was like, well, maybe San Francisco is not invincible. That said, look, they've got talent, right? So can they get to Patrick Mahomes? He hasn't been sacked a ton this season or in the playoffs, but maybe Bosa and all those guys can wreak some havoc. And offensively, if Christian McCaffrey can go off and run the football against uh, the Chiefs, they certainly can win the game. The yeah. Ravens were in still a close game and they got away from the run and they had three turnovers. So if you want to flip it and say, hey, the Chiefs are vulnerable, you can think of it that way and say, well, the Ravens still had a shot. Right. But they had, uh, you know, the Zay Flowers fumble on the one yard line. They had uh, Lamar throw a pick into like triple coverage. They had Lamar fumble the ball and still it was a close game. So the Chiefs are certainly not invincible. 
Um, but I still would have a tough time betting against Patrick Mahomes. Well said. Well said. But I believe here's another nugget. Believe Andy Reid is three and zero against Kyle Shanahan. Interesting. That's not being. I have not seen that on social media outlets or anything. But okay, interesting. All right. Well, I'm excited for that game. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. You know, talking to someone that's in the podcasting radio talk show game. It's also just like really nice for me because I can have these nice and flowing conversations about sports and. There's no one to do it better than you. So thank no, you. No, and I tell people this. I sincerely say this. Look, I, I my son is a, a junior now at Quince Orchard High School. They got a broadcasting club. And and look, chase your dream when you can. Um, I wrote a book about our journey called Still Barking. Because back when I was in law school, I couldn't have imagined that I'd be doing this fun job. I've been to Super Bowls. I get to talk about sports with my friends. I get to do some crazy stuff from time to time. I would not have believed that. But when we had that light bulb moment, we decided to chase a dream. So especially when you can, look, you found a passion, something that you really like. Go for it. Go for it with with passion and energy. And you never know what can happen. And it's awesome to always at least try something. Look, I've done a bunch of stuff along the way that I've failed. At the same time, I tried it, right? Um, one of the crazy things I did on the radio show, actually, look at me. Do I look like a professional boxer? But I fought a professional boxing match because I, I, I had this crazy idea. I made it happen. Had a fantastic ring entrance. Ring entrance greater than ring performance. But I made it happen. Um, and a lot of people have ideas and never do anything about it. So proud of you uh, that you're actually doing something about it. So I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. And we will definitely be in touch. JP Flame, it's been an honor, man. Thank you. Thanks, fam.